brain Welcome into his frequency Enter at your own risk Come be at peace with me Ask the Paul Where we rise and don't fall Welcome back to another episode of Baxter's Buzz. I am your host, Baxter E. Hall. Welcome to my brain. Welcome to my frequency. Enter at your own risk. We had a couple of texts, but I think we're going to nail it this time. Um, I'm super excited for my guest today. She is an HR professional and consultant, a community volunteer and leader, and the founder of Platinum Consulting Group. Kamara Mayberry, welcome to Baxter's Buzz, Kamara. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have our chat today. Yeah, yeah. So I love the thought of being able to talk to folks that I just enjoy talking to off camera. And I always feel like these are going to be, you know, the best conversations. We've had a few conversations and everyone feels organic. I'm super excited to learn more about you and introduce you to the audience and um yeah i know we got some really cool topics that we want to go, go over too so thanks absolutely again. yeah so first of all you are an hr professional consultant you've been in this space for for a while um you know yes i t- have talk for about, a minute. Yeah, talk, <laughs> talk about your experiences and sort of like what led you to hr to begin with Well, I have been in the HR game now over 20 years in many different industries, nonprofit, healthcare management, uh, professional construction, uh, you name it, I've probably done some kind of HR uh, function in that industry. Really what led led me to human resources initially was my aunt, Betty Collier. Uh, Unfortunately, we lost her three years ago this month. She was an HR professional all of my life, was the go-to for all things HR and compensation. And she really had an excitement about all things people. And Mm. that really led me to explore um, that as a career. You know, I had a conversation today, just so happened uh, with, with someone and they were talking about the field that they wanted to be in. And they said, you know, I want to put the people first. You know, I'm, I'm really about the experience, employee experience. Right. And, you know, they, they went on and had a couple other like descriptors. And I said, it sounds like you want, sounds like HR. And, and, and this person said, eh, yes, but I don't like that term. I don't, I feel like they are, you know, not always representing the people. They're more so representing the company and its policies and procedures. And I said, sometimes, but I don't think that that's, that's the case for many folk, uh, many organizations this uh, these days. Do, do you, first of all, do you agree? Second of all, do you think that you've seen a change over the course of the 20 years where it has gone less from the pushing papers and policies to like more <laughs> of a people driven like department as it should be? Um, first of all, I don't agree wholeheartedly, but that is certainly their perspective. Uh, Human Resources obviously does have uh, a data uh, pushing papers policy aspect. Obviously, it's keeping organizations in line in compliance uh, from a legal standpoint. I would say over the past 20 years, there has been uh, sort of a cycle where 
back in the day when it was personnel uh, and it really was sort of, we were not at the table. We were not thought of as far as strategic leaders. We were the people in personnel. We brought uh, talent to the table and then we were, you know, pretty much hands off unless you needed to fire them. Mm. So over the years you have seen where, Human resources has been invited into the C-suite. We are uh, at the table, so to speak. And obviously over the past three years during the height of the pandemic, business leaders understood the impact and the footprint of human resource practitioners. And these are not just folks who are pushing papers in a corner. These were strategic thinkers who had to spin on a dime literally overnight to make sure that these companies and these organizations were viable and A, survived, but then thrived uh, so that they could continue to support their talent for the initiatives of those companies and organizations. So human resources is uh, really spans the gamut. It's not one note and there are levels to this. So I would say for those who think that ah, HR gets a bad rap, I think to a certain extent it does, because let's be real, in any industry, you have people who do not know their business. So if you are encountering or dealing with a human resources practitioner who doesn't know what they're doing, it gets a bad rap. So you do need someone who is a content expert, but not only that, they can apply the data to -to day-to-day operations. So you've got to be able to manage information and systems, but also managing people. You know, it's, it's such a balance and I I heard it. I, 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 I've heard it this way and and it's the best way that I've been able to describe it since it's like being able to sort of zoom in, but then like zoom back out when you need to. Right. Yes. And that's, that's for any of our uh, industries, expertise we have to get things done and then there's times then there's time for strategy where we have to zoom out look at the big picture right it's just you know everyone does you know we both you know we all have maybe a little more strength on one side or the other but we have to be able to to navigate between those two um to be you know really effective in in any uh line of work now we talked um last our last conversation was about you know the difference between like mentorship and and sponsorship right correct can you walk me through the differences in your european uh in your opinion kamara sure and there there is a difference and again when we talk about um backtracking over the years in human resources Uh, Back in the day, it was very difficult to find a human resources mentor. It's it's always been a difficult field to get into. But once HR leaders got their foot in the place, uh, a lot of them did not reach back and they were not willing to be a mentor because simply they were glad to be at the table. So they didn't want to risk uh, their footprint in the company by trying to mentor someone younger uh, in their career who may not be on point across the board. For me, being a mentor is bringing someone younger in the field who may have less knowledge. So this may be a new grad. It could be someone that's still an undergrad. It could even be someone who is working on a graduate degree, but doesn't have a lot of 
day-to-day real life experience. And so you're mentoring them, you are meeting with them regularly and routinely, um, understanding what their day-to-day challenges are and offering tips, strategies, support structures for them as they navigate uh, everyday landmines that we in HR have to navigate effectively. A sponsor is not only that person who will bring you along so that you can learn the business of human resources and then be able to soar after you have established that groundwork and that framework. The sponsor is the person that speaks for me when I'm not in the room. When we Mm. were talking um, sort of off camera and candidly, for me, a sponsor is somebody that not only checks the box, but they check for me. And that's what the young folks say. And by checking for me, for those who have not heard that phrase, it means that you're thinking about me. uh, You're processing what I'm doing. You're watching me. uh, You're understanding how I move and groove. Uh, And that's not a negative thing per se, because as a sponsor, I need to analyze where you are in your career so that I can help you move to the next level. And by doing so, if I'm a decision maker, when there are opportunities for you to shine, I'm going to offer your name up. So if that means to lead a project, to lead an initiative, to uh, be a spokesperson, to be on a panel, uh, I'm going to identify maybe even what I'm going to call a non-traditional leader. There are a lot of quiet folks who are on point. They don't like to be on front street. But if they have an excellent sponsor, that sponsor is going to encourage them to step outside of their box. A closed closed mouth does not get fed, as my grandmother says. So if you want to succeed in business, and obviously human resources is the business of people, then you have to understand advocating for yourself. Because if I don't advocate for myself, who is? That's right. If I don't try to identify paths to success and then connect with people who can help me get there, then I'm going to end up being at the lower level of the HR food chain and not be a decision maker. And anybody that gets in human resources who says, I am people focused, it's about the people, I need to be a decision maker. So that is more than my executing day-to-day operations, which is absolutely necessary. But if I'm a decision maker, I'm making decisions that impact my entire workforce strategically. So in my mind, that's what a sponsor is versus just a mentor. You know, you said a couple of things. Um, First, like I remember. I I remember hearing that term sponsorship and, and, you know, in contrast to mentorship and I it. I was like, what is this? What is that? What do they mean? And they're, they are completely different. You know, um, they're, they're, they're similar. They first cousins, right? Right. um, There's a lot of the same things, but you do need people to sort of speak for you, especially for those that may be a little more introverted, a little bit more, you know, uh, you talked about who's going to speak up for you. I always say, Hard work does not speak for itself. It's too busy working, you know. (laughs) That's right. And but somebody needs to, you know, you need to you need to do your best to self advocate. Yes. But also, man, does it not make such a huge difference for someone in those that are in those rooms bringing your name up, bringing attention to the work that you do? And I, I would encourage anyone 
who has these opportunities to make sure that they're helping other folks get in position so that if you don't have, uh, if you're a true leader and you don't have, you know, leaders sort of following you and ready to take your place, Correct. I would argue that you got to do some different type of leading. I agree, because when you talk about building a bench, and again, I'm just going to refer back to, obviously, the challenges that uh, all business in uh, dealt with during the height of the pandemic, but human resources in particular, we had to identify our bench because many human resource practitioners, the stress, the strain, the frustration, uh, the chaos of the pandemic was too much. And so they, they either retired early, they bowed out gracefully, they decided this is not for me, I need to focus on self care, health and wellness, and that doesn't include the drama of this workplace. So there is a void uh, within the HR community where people did step back and we need to build the bench. Well, how do you do that? I have to identify those HR young emerging leaders who bring skill sets to the table that are A, of value to me as a leader. So this is, to a certain extent, there is a selfish lens to it, because if you're doing a great job on behalf of myself, I can then say, yes, I helped build that leader. I was the one who helped guide, you know, so for those who, you know, get in their skin and want to really deem someone the next uh, leader, uh, that is appealing. Uh, So even if your motives are not 100% pure related to sponsorship, the impact is the same. The outcome is the same. You are helping to, as you say, have someone's name ring loud in a room full of noise. And that's the thing. You want to make sure that someone is focused, laser focused on this emerging leader and what they are bringing to the table. And as uh, a decision maker, a C-suite member, someone who is in those meetings where you are kicking about who can we have to lead this project? Who can we have to sit at this strategy session and give us their perspective? I want my name to come up, you know? So that's where really making yourself seen where a sponsor would want to reach out. You know, conversely, if you're ratchet in the workplace, why in the world would I put my stamp of approval? I would not. That's right. And I have had um, subordinates and emerging leaders who wanted me to sponsor them. And I absolutely would not. You need to get your life together. You need to learn how to effectively communicate, come to work on time, work hard, be strategic, be proactive. These are things that are free. <laughs> they don't cost any money. That's right. So I'm not going to put my stamp of approval or help you gain leverage for your career when you are not doing the work. You have to do the work. I I, I want to come back to to that piece um, and, and follow, but first I want to ask you about um, the folks that may not have or have been able to identify a sponsor. I'm in, I'm you know we, you know we've been talking a lot about HR, but where, wherever I may sit in an organization, and I don't have that mentorship or sponsorship, right? And and my how do you advise? those folks to sort of make sure that they're in the, you know, like peripheral, at least, if not right, you know, in front of leadership that that are looking for, that are looking for those emerging leaders that may not realize no one's pointed them to, you know, to these particular folks. Like how, right. how would they go about sort of making sure that they, 
are um, being recognized for their hard work. Well, if they're really looking for a sponsor within their organization, they need to take all of those opportunities for networking and rubbing shoulders with those leaders who could be potential sponsors. So that means for those folks who say, well, I don't want to deal with folks after hours. I just want to work nine to five and then go home. I don't want to go to any after hours events. I don't want to go to that company dinner. I would push back on that. I would say let's adult. And even if these are folks some of them you may not want to spend a lot of time with outside of work. This is purposeful. Uh, this is purposeful networking where you are making sure that you are speaking with those leaders that potentially could sponsor you. Now, as you said, it may be a small organization where that opportunity just is not there. Well, let's talk about the beauty of social media. LinkedIn is the perfect venue and environment for finding sponsors and mentors and these That's could right. be folks that are in your industry and i would also say you don't necessarily have to have a sponsor that's in your industry you can mm. have someone that there's a crosswalk if someone's in sales and i'm in human resources there's a crosswalk there there's an intersection there where we can help one another so step outside of the box for your mindset of it has to be someone that's in my industry. Some of the best sponsors I've had in my career were not human resource practitioners, but they understood the value of grooming emerging leaders and they saw what I brought to the table. And that connection is invaluable. So I would recommend, again, if they can't do it internally, start using other avenues. And social media is number one for being able to reach out send someone a message, attend these zillions of free events that are available. Uh, so if it's someone who, you know, is an emerging leader, they're still in school, they don't have a whole lot of extra funds to spend uh, hundreds of dollars on conferences and workshops. There are lots of low cost and free opportunities on social media to connect, to network, and to identify decision makers who can help you and who can be a sponsor for you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Now, let's circle back a bit. We talked about, um, you know, younger or less tenured people that are trying to make a name for themselves and they want you to sponsor them. Right. Uh, we And you said, nope, you, you, you're not ready. You're not taking it serious enough, exactly. in, in my opinion. Um, there's this, you know, the new generation, the Gen Zs, even the millennials, I think in some instances have been misidentified or sort of like mislabeled, like, oh, they just, they mm -hmm. don't want to wait for anything. They want, you know, they just, they want to be CEO, you know, the second <laughs> right. week. Uh, of the, and, you know, I think that there's something to be said for, for um, younger people in the, in the workforce, just having a better understanding of like, how they fit right and they they may they may not be old school and feel like they gotta just wait their time they're like i can do this job right i know i've only been here six months but i, I can do this job but they may be have they may have some blind spots that they're not aware of exactly right? and i feel like many of the leaders today aren't given aren't doing those folks any justice because they're not giving them proper feedback. That's to, right. Like, talk about the importance of like true, like transparent feedback in order to, to create the, the real emerging leaders that, that every org 
needs not just the ones with the titles, but the ones that actually kind of understand the professionalism and all yes. the pieces that you talked about that they may Correct. be lacking. Like talk about the the um responsibilities of the, the current leaders to to give clear and honest feedback to these, you know, rising stars in the org. Yeah. Um we talked about this where Emerging leaders, and I guess I'll I'll talk to what we're going to call seasoned professionals and uh, decision makers. Some of them are not exhibiting what we need to see in our emerging leaders. And we talked about the uh, effective communication, keeping it factual. Um, I'm not a big fan of the term keeping it real, um, because that's really a a generic uh, sort of check the box phrase and what I prefer is keeping it actual and factual. So when I have an emerging leader who comes to me and says, you know what, uh, I see what you're doing. I would love to um, pick your brain and see how I can move forward in my career. And I would love for you to connect with me and be lockstep on that journey. And if I'm seeing some behaviors that are opposite to what you want to do as far as your goals, I'm going to point those out. Now, obviously, you do it with love. You do it with compassion and empathy. Uh, you don't do uh, say or do anything that's going to tear that individual down. But you do want to keep it factual and actual. If you don't come to work on time, you don't come professionally dressed, and it depends on the industry. And obviously, from what you said, there are old school professionals that think you need to come to work as an HR professional. I need to be dressed in a blazer, dressed with pantyhose. I mean, there is a, a uniform sure. for for what you say, the sort of old school, old guard. Um, now things are much more relaxed. And so we have to make sure as seasoned leaders that we are not um, forcing that historical perspective because in some places it's just not relevant at this point. Yeah. I am more um, focused on what you bring to the table versus what you're wearing, but I don't want to see club attire. And so I think leaders need to take it back to basics with some of these um, young folks, because let's keep it real and keep it actual and factual. They may not have anybody in their life who has told them this is not appropriate. This is what you should or should not be doing. They don't get those discussions and talks until college and beyond in some cases. So again, we need to be compassionate, have empathy and really outline what those deficiencies are, but also let's give them some avenues to course correct. So I can point out everything that you're doing wrong. Now, let me give you some tools and resources That's to right. correct that. And so that's, hey, if you need to go to Toastmasters, if you need to um, have someone style you where you understand you don't have to have a million dollars to look like a million bucks, get your basics, your black skirt, your black slacks, a blazer, your white, you know, there, there are ways to uh, leverage what I'm going to call your business uniforms, you know, in a cost effective way. There are ways to understand here are your challenges and here are things that I can help you meet that gap. So it's really understanding who you're speaking with. We talked about who is your audience? Is this right. a young person? And by young, I mean emerging in their career who is open to the feedback and the coaching? Because if you're not open to it, it's a waste of both of our time. 
So again, if you have someone who is super ambitious, they're confident, you know, have swag, they understand, hey, I know what my skill sets are. It's not going to take me two years to get there. Give me that opportunity. Okay, well, when I give you the opportunity, don't drop the ball. Because if I take a chance and you don't succeed, I'm going to be less willing to do that in the future. So when you have the swag, back it up. You need both. Yes, yes. And, and, you know, image is so important. And, you know, whether it's the the attire, whatever that attire is in your industry for, you know, just for your day, but also the showing up on time, the, you know, completing, you know, making your deadlines for projects. Yes. And also documenting those things so people know. Correct. And putting them in shared spaces where if you, for whatever reason, you're unable to complete that project, we're not having to look around the world to understand (laughs) where you are, what is the status, uh, you know, again, using tools and technology when available, you know, at your organization uh, and understanding when you can push back and say, I'm drowning. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this deadline. I thought I understood this system, but I really don't. I need help. Because the other thing is emerging professionals are very hesitant to ask for help because they don't want to look like they're failing. They don't want to look like they squandered the opportunity and the chance. But in reality, I have more respect for someone who says, I don't have it all together. I thought I could. I can't. I need help so that this project doesn't fail. That gets you more respect. You know, um, back in the day when I first started in my sales career, Kamara, you know, um, there were, you know, that was the last thing you wanted to do was ask a question or say you didn't know anything. And it's like the, the, the more seasoned you get, the more wisdom you obtain, the people who are most confident know the most, ask the most questions. That's right. Because you'd never have arrived. Um, Those leaders and decision makers and those who have the expertise and who have in their minds, quote unquote, made it wherever it is. um, I think that's a false sense of security because any industry evolves and grows. You never have arrived. I've been in the HR game for 20 plus years. I have seen and heard it all. I can't wait to write my book when I retire. (laughs) I have not arrived. And COVID changed the game for anybody in HR. So when we thought we knew, we knew nothing. So it's, you have to be a lifelong learner and Mm -hmm. emerging professionals, especially coming right out of undergrad, they really do feel like they have the world by the tail and they know everything. There's a, a gift in that confidence. Um, And many of us could learn from that. But at the end of the day, you're learning every single day and we need to ask questions, even if it's just to confirm what I think I know. Let me ask the question. So then I can confirm, yes, I am on the right track. Yes, that strategy will work. That makes sense in this current environment, et cetera. So you're exactly right. Being willing to ask the right questions. So I need to analyze what I'm working on. I need to analyze my project, analyze the deliverable, the timeline, the players, understand the flow. 
and then ask the right questions. Because I can ask a bunch of questions, but they don't make any sense and they don't help me. That's not helpful as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'll sometimes refer to it and I've heard it as, you know, sort of intellectual curiosity. Mm-hmm. I posted recently about the children, you know, my six-year-old, you know, let's say at four, he was, why this, why, why is this work? Why is this? And now he know everything. Now it's, I know, I know. And it's like, well, what happened? We got to get back to that. And I was Mm -hmm. talking to them just like, there's so much power in the questions and the curiosity, just wanting to know. Absolutely. And it's important that we keep that. The longer that we keep that, I think, the younger that we are and sort of the the, the more uh, runway we have in whatever career that we're in. Um, I agree. The, the, um, the piece about sort of being open to that feedback. Um, I, I'll, I'll say this, that leaders have to do a better job and maybe that's an additional training and development for them. There I is. think that the the uh, the team members that are emerging, these emerging leaders, you know, need clear uh, and like development plans and strategies. Yes. And th- some people just they're gonna leave. They're gonna leave jobs. They're not staying at jobs. People aren't staying at jobs like they used to. No, that that twenty year career. I'm gonna stay at the same company uh, for twenty years. That's not happening anymore for those but coming into the early stages of their career. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're not even really looking 10 years down the road. They're looking at maybe five years down the road if it's that long-term. Uh, and that's frustrating for some leaders because they want them to look at the big picture and we want you to look 10, 15 years down the road. We need to understand our audience. And for those of us who are effective communicators, and I, I um, fancy myself uh, a great communicator, I know my audience. So when I'm speaking with emerging professionals or if I'm speaking with seasoned C-suite leaders, I understand who I'm speaking with. And so I need to speak their language. I need to understand the environment in which they move and groove and speak accordingly. It's not the same. So there are seasoned leaders who really have a heart for emerging professionals. They do want to mentor. They do want to sponsor. They don't have a clue how to speak their language. Hmm training. Yes. Again, yes. being a lifelong learner, understanding, although I've been in the game X amount of years, I've had all of these successes, I'm making all this money, I still need to understand, take it back to basics. Who is my audience? Who That's am right. I speaking to? How can I reach them? It's not a cookie cutter approach. And and there's there's opportunities to to mentor from whatever level you're at too, right? Yes. We were absolutely. talking about technology, right? There may be some technology that someone knows about that I'm not, you know, that I I'm not up on yet. That's but right. But they can, they, but they, but but maybe I have some more years, and I can, you know, help, you know, help them in some other areas that I've sort of, you know, gotten these all, all these years of experience in. Exactly. So it doesn't have to be just one one way mentorship. I was taking some notes, and there's something I wanted to to say about this. This whole, I know the turnover is high, but this is how um, I feel. And I, I want to try to find this. But the point is, 
turnover's high. There's a number of people that, you know, aren't showing up for interviews, aren't showing up right. for, for work. They, they're ghosting you, right? <laughs> right. And so you, organizations feel less inclined to invest in those right. people. There, there was like this cartoon, they would call it a meme these days. It was like, uh, it was like the CFO and the CEO talking, right? And the, um, the CEO, well, the CFO says, what if we train these people and they, and they leave? <laughs> right. And then the CEO says, well, what if we don't train them and they stay? Exactly. So when when we talk about talent leaving, there are right. certain folks we're just not going to be able to keep. But right. we can provide them with an experience that maybe they'll come back. Maybe or maybe they they'll be an ambassador refer- for the company. Right. You know, um, right. I, I think um, from a employee retention, because I think some companies are so focused on let's get these folks in and you're not focused on retaining the good talent that you have and existing employees look at that and have no understanding as to why your focus and your energy is on brand new employees as you said who may or may not stay when I've been here for 10 years because studies show that 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 mid-range employee who's been there five eight years ish those are the ones you need to focus on because they're thinking about what is my next move do I want to stay here do I want to explore outside of the company So retention, if you have to understand and leverage whatever your limited resources are, you need to be trying to retain your great talent. Because if you do that, they're going to be natural ambassadors for your company. They're going to go out and recruit on your behalf. They're going to say, hey, I work for a great company. We've got these openings. Come work with me. So that's what companies, you know, the great, you know, the great resignation, this, that, and the other. We've been dealing with that for years. It didn't happen with COVID. We've been dealing with folks leaving companies for centuries. So yeah. that's not new or magical. You know, it's trendy. It sounds great. It's a good sound bite, uh, and it's real. But companies need to get back to basics and, like you say, understand again, who the audience is. Who is this new pool of talent that may stay here a year? Well, let me get the best out of you while you're here. Let me make sure that you are set up and trained for success to be as impactful as you possibly can for my initiatives and my goals for the company. And if you leave, hey, we wish you well, go forth and be great. No hard feelings, but you did the best job you could do for us while you were here. It's a, it's a shift in the mindset. It's, it's like, yeah, it's not... Yeah, it's not uh, how long can we keep them. It's how can we make their experience here the most impactful. Exactly. And how can we get, and then in turn, we're going to get the best out of them too, right? That's right. And and maybe and maybe we keep them another six months or so or whatever because of that. Or maybe they come to you with a different uh, thought or a different feel, you know, cross training cross mentoring throughout departments yes these things if we don't if you're not communicating and asking our talent what they want what they're aspiring to correct we may miss 
uh, opportunity to keep this person, but maybe just in a different, you know, part of the business. As and, and now we've lost them completely because we we haven't had that those open lines of communication. No, we only want to have it when they're getting ready to leave, when they give their resignation notice, and then all of a sudden you're valuable. And let me see if I can match that offer. In reality, if you are having checkpoints with those employees uh, ever so often, not just annual review, not just once every six months. You are actually, as uh, you uh, indicated, I am understanding your employee experience in real time. And how am I impacting that in a positive way? And if I am not, what do I need to do? Tell me what I need to do to improve your experience. But a lot of times as employers, we don't want to hear that because we're not willing uh, or able to make that shift. So we won't even ask the question. That's right. All right. Before we get out of here, I have to say, um, Kamara, you will also have a position, leadership position with the uh, Michigan Sheriff the the Detroit chapter uh, specifically, right? Yes, I am currently the uh, president-elect for Detroit SHRM, which for those who don't know what SHRM is, is Society for Human Resources Management. It is the largest uh, organization for HR practitioners in the world. Uh, it is international and Detroit SHRM is the largest SHRM affiliated chapter in the state of Michigan. So I am the president elect, uh, formerly served as a treasurer for several years. And now I'm looking forward to uh, moving into uh, being the president uh, in the next couple of years. I also sit on the Michigan Sherm State Council, and that is the, uh, basically, we are the body who regulates the Sherm chapter statewide. So uh, we make sure that the Sherm initiatives are being rolled out and implemented, and we uh, provide support to chapters for day-to-day operations, et cetera. And of course, you know, I have to say that I am a proud finer woman of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated, the Lambda Rose Zeta chapter in Pontiac, Michigan. I don't know where you find the time. Um, and we have other things we could talk about, but we just we're gonna have to have another episode. We'll just do we, part two, part two. That's right. Um <laughs> a true, a true leader, a true community um volunteer and servant. Um just mentoring folks, leading by example, not only, you know, talking to talk, but walking the walk. Um Thank you so much for your time today. This has been amazing. And I, I really, really hope that folks, you know, grabbing all these jewels that you're dropping because, <laughs> you know, th- these are the conversations that we need to be having with folks as they move throughout their career and figure out, you know, what's next for me, right? Oh, I agree. Thank you for the opportunity. You know that you and I have had some great conversations, like you said, offline. And I just think that you are a bright light. And as I said to you um, off uh, off camera in a, a candid discussion, I really feel like uh, you will, your, your gifts are making room for you. You are a positive, impactful person. And I think you're going, you're going to be going big places. So be ready. Oh, well, thank you for that. I, Truly, truly humble and appreciate that. Um, so on behalf of Kamara, I am Baxter E. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, watching this, please continue to engage. Give us feedback. Let us know uh, what you loved about this episode today. And uh, I want everyone to that's listening and watching to know that you are all capable. You just need to embrace your own frequency. And um, until next time. Peace, everyone. Have a good evening.
Welcome into his brain, welcome into his frequency, enter at your own risk, come be at peace with me, ask the call, where we rise and don't fall.